0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI Podcast episode, I talk with John Knotts about breaking through siloed organizations to drive employee creativity and engagement. John, not welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast. Hey, thanks for inviting me out here. Yeah, it's exciting to have the opportunity to talk with you today. We've been preparing for this uh, episode for a little while, and I'm excited to explore uh, really some topics that you address in your book. Um, but we're going to talk about breaking through siloed organizations without really tearing down the silos, but finding a way that we can work more effectively together, and then drive use that to drive employee creativity and engagement. As we get started, I wanted to share John's bio with all of you listeners. John Knotts is a coach and consultant with over 30 years of experience in military, nonprofit, and commercial leadership coaching and consulting. Extensive background in strategy change process leadership management, human capital training, Uh, and education, innovation, design, and communication make up a lot of his areas of expertise. John is a 21-year Air Force veteran, a former consultant with Booz Allen Hamilton, and was a strategic business advisor for Fortune 100 company USAA. John owns his own coaching and consulting business, Crosscutter Enterprises. He and his wife own a 100-acre horse farm with 35 to 40 horses. That is amazing. I once a long time ago, when I was a teenager, and into my early 20s, I did a little horse riding, and I haven't done it in years and years. But I'm jealous, having uh, having a horse for him is awesome. Sometimes. (laughs) Also, I'm sure a lot of work. (laughs) Yes, it is. Well, very good. Uh, John, it's a pleasure to have you. Before we launch into the conversation, anything else you would like to share uh, with listeners by way of background, personal context, anything like that?
1: Well, you know, how people can get get hold of me if they're interested after we spend 25 minutes together is easily either on most of the social media platforms, my name, John Knotts. So it's not a very common name. So it's easy to find me. But also my website is crosscutter.com. So C-R-O-S-S-C-T-R.com. And not only can you learn more about me and my business and what's going on, but I provide a lot of information out there free i write like you do for forbes i write for some other magazines and do a lot of i've got some books that are out there some of them are free and some of them you got to go to amazon and pay a couple bucks for but there's a lot of opportunities to get to know me and i'd love to connect with people if they find interest in what we talk about today
0: excellent thank you so much and it it is wonderful you know i i enjoy uh, producing content whether it's written or audio, video content like we're doing now, um, and I know you do you enjoy the same. So it's it's a great opportunity um, to be able to to share you know some of our experiences and and what we do in in our professional consulting work uh, as well. So excellent, excellent, and it's it's great to have you on. So let's let's start off by just talking briefly about your book um, where you talk about these siloed organizations, uh, what what prompted you and inspired you to to write this book? Um, And then we can dive more into some of the particulars about some lessons learned and, and what leaders should be thinking about as they move forward.
1: So that's a great question. I've worked on this book for 10 years before publishing it, but I'd seen, so I've been doing business coaching and consulting, since 98. And I've been involved in improving organizations since about 92. I started in the Air Force. And eventually, as you had said in the introduction, I retired out of the Air Force and I went to go work for Booz Allen Hamilton. And I had seen this phenomenon in business, where they were constantly reorganizing often the words that would come out of their mouths is we have to tear down the silos. And I was probably one of those people that bought into the rhetoric and said, oh yeah, you need to tear down the silos. And now what I realize is that it is more akin to moving the deck chairs on the Titanic because when I started to really look at what was happening in these constant reorganizations in these especially bigger organizations, it's where I saw this a lot. What was clear was that they weren't solving the problem. They were just kind of putting it on pause for about six months to a year. And the same problems kept coming up. And I was like, why is this happening? And I started to really explore it, especially when I got into Booz Allen Hamilton and they work for a lot of major Department of Defense government organizations. So these are large field operating agencies, headquarters element type organizations. And we were working on often the same problems over and over and over again. And when I really started to understand what was going on, and a lot of this is based off of my understanding of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it started to make sense what was happening and why people were doing things. And I would say like, you know, I work for, I don't work for, I'm a volunteer with Executive Book Review, executivebookreview.com. And three times a month, we do as faculty members, we read a book and we will present the book to everybody that's on, in the meeting. It's the beauty of it, it's not a book club, it's book review. You don't have to have ever read the book. So it's really cool because you can go and you can learn about new books. And then, you yeah, you know, I want to read that or no, I'm not interested in reading that. Or maybe I got just enough from that review that I don't care. But it's really, it, it's all about lifelong learning. And one, as a faculty member, we always talk about what is the book's one thing? And so the one thing for my book is that stop tearing down silos We actually want silos to exist and we need them to exist. I know that's like heresy in the business world, but that was the premise of what, you know, all right, I'm going to talk out against something that everybody does. And I still hear it today. I'll still be talking to a business owner and they'll be like, ah, I did, or I need to tear down the silos. And I'm like, stop, why? But they don't understand what's going on.
0: I think that's a really interesting, interesting perspective and, and I appreciate you sharing your experience. I've, I've seen similar things, and it's it's quite aggravating, you know, to see the same types of issues crop up again and again and again in organizations. And to your point, I think often they just get punted. Uh, I'm actually in the in the middle of what is being framed as a reorg uh, for an organization that I'm working with. And it is one hundred percent moving deck chairs around, um, and it's it's so aggravating. And in fact, what they're proposing to do, after getting very little input from other people and key stakeholders, um, you know, what what they're proposing to do is actually, for my assessment, it's going to cause more confusion. It's <laughs> going to cause more problems. And this is it. The impetus for this is they've been punting for like the last three years for some major issues. And now this is their determination is that they're going to do a reorg to fix all these problems and they're just shifting around deck chairs and it's, it's ridiculous, right? Um, Man, if I had a hammer right now, I'd hit the <laughs> nail on the head.
1: <laughs> so that's exactly, so this is what's going on, okay? When you create an organization, you're a brand new entrepreneur, you're gonna build your organization. As an entrepreneur, you wear all the hats, right? you're in finance and you're in marketing and you're in sales and you're building the product and you're delivering the product and you're out interfacing with a customer. And if you hire people, you're running human resources, you're doing everything. Then you start to get a a bunch of employees and you're like, oof, you know, like it's a lot of work to take care of the care and feeding those employees. So I'm going to create a human resource department. And then you're like, man, this finance stuff is a pain in my butt. I'm not good at it. And I'm not, I'm working in the business and not on the business. So you hire a bookkeeper, maybe get a, a controller, maybe even a fractional CFO. And in your business, you, you start to build a marketing and a sales team. So you got two more teams out there. And then in the operations, you know, you start to expand and you have different types of customers. So you, you start to expand segmentize your operations department your delivery your project management between this customer type and that customer type and this geography and you know these people are overseas so we have a night shift that works and we have a day shift that handles the national accounts all of that stuff you do for a reason the reasons are you know simple because you want to specialize You want to meet the needs of whatever it is that they support. You want experts in human resources. You want experts in marketing. You want to focus on the customer. And then silos have been born. And that's exactly what it is. The question is whether or not the silos get ugly. And what is happening in your organization is that when we create a silo. We create an environment where we start to build the walls and we don't look at what anybody else is doing. We don't talk to them. We start throwing work over the walls. We ignore what's happening and we only focus on our own thing. We fight over resources and we don't focus on the end customer or the vision and strategy of the organization. We focus on our own agendas. And that's when silos actually turn bad. And then people are like, oh, we need to tear down the silo. But what happens and what's gonna happen in your organization, and you've seen this, I know you have, is that for six months, about three to six months, think about starting your, a new job, going into a new company. What is it like? You have to learn the, the processes. You have to get to know the people you want to fit in. Why? because of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The third tier of Maslow's pyramid is that we need to belong. Before we can get to the esteem layer, before we can possibly self-actualize in our job and do the best work that we can do, we have to belong. And when the organization decides they're going to just pull the, you know, the carpet out from underneath the organization and say, we're just going to move people around, we shuffle it up a little bit. They have no idea the impact that they're causing in their organization. And they haven't addressed any of the root causes, the things that are really going on, the lack of communication, the lack of focus on strategy, the lack of process focus on customer, the IT issues, IT in itself is like a set of silos. And as a solopreneur, as a personal coach and consultant running my own business, I even have silos. My, And we talked, you know, you talked in the very beginning that my wife and I, we bought a hundred acre horse farm. We have approximately 12 people that work for us. We have a property manager. We have a barn manager. We have trainers. And then we have occasionally we have people that help out with feeding and with, with the property maintenance and especially when we're like welding and building fences and stuff like that. So it's about 12 people that work here aside from my wife and I, which are the leadership team. So can you imagine the silos that I just talked about? So my wife and I, we're one, we're the leadership team, we're the silo. What we think, what we wanna do is not necessarily what everybody else wants, not necessarily the direction they want things to go. My property manager, he's responsible for fixing the vehicles, making sure everything runs, repairing fences, building roads, so he's got his silo. The barn manager is responsible for the, taking care of the horses, making sure the care and feeding is done, that the, the customers that have, are boarding the horses out here are taken care of, and, and kind of runs the overall farm as well. So she does office management. That silo has been torn down, but you know, so it's two combined, but that's a silo. And then you got the trainers. And the trainers actually work pretty much, my wife is head trainer they all work and they're responsible for teaching. And it's interesting. So perfect silo, I can witness it happening here on the farm. We have vehicles that have to do stuff. Dustin, my property manager is out there banging away, cussing, maybe drinking a little bit of beer and he's in the shop. And he's complaining to me that, hey, We need to, those girls don't need to use the vehicles to run out there and do the feeding or they're they're putting a lot of wear and tear on these vehicles. Can you just get them to stop? Like, well, we do that so that we can feed faster and we don't have to pay as much because it doesn't take as much time. And oh, by the way, if there wasn't vehicles that were being used, you wouldn't have a job because you wouldn't be fixing the vehicle. So yeah, it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship. But of course the trainers are like, you know, hey, they're banging. Can they work in the evenings when we're not training? Because all that noise sometimes a little disruptive. <laughs> like, well, you know, like you want to use that vehicle to go get a horse in the field. You want to run out there get the horse and and pony it back with the the Kawasaki mule, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, they've got to work on the vehicle, and I'm not going to have them working all night long in the dark, getting hurt. So it's these are the silo mentalities, because they start thinking about their own concerns, the things that are for them, and what they do, and it's all about me, and it's not about us, and when you, it's one of the biggest lessons, and this is the, the first thing in the book, when you say, I want to fix this concept, with organiza- or basically organizational myopia, this organizational short-sightedness, that is what's really going on, is that you got to teach your leaders, why does this happen? Why do you want it to happen? Why do you need it to happen? And what happens when you tear it down? And once they understand that, they're like, well, okay, what do I need to do about this? Like, how do I solve the problem? And that's, that's the big difference.
0: and work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, I think it's, it's about how we frame the problem, because to your point, silos, if we want to call them silos, areas of functional expertise, we need that. Every organization needs that, right? The question becomes, are we able to get outside of our own little area to see the big picture and to work cross-functionally and collaboratively effectively, right? That's what we want to have happen. And so I think a lot of times um, when, when people are talking about tearing down the silos, what they really mean is no, they, they wouldn't say we need to get rid of our areas of technical expertise. What they really mean is we need more of a latticed matrix approach where we need people to, to effectively connect and collaborate with each other and not be like having these unhealthy competitions for resources between each other, but rather see how they're part of that that whole um, a, a little bit more effectively, right? Absolutely. And, and so it's it's really about the terminology we use. And to your point, if we just start talking about tearing it down, uh, okay, tear it down to replace it with what? That's my question. What, what are you gonna replace it with? And so that's like what I'm talking about with this organization that I'm working with um, and they're rearranging the deck chairs. They're talking about this reorg. Okay, reorg for what? What's the what's the purpose? What's the end Great. goal,
1: right? Great question.
0: What's that yes. end goal? And, and for them, it's like in, in this particular organization, they know that they've been putting this off. They know they've been punting these major problems again and again for years. And I think they honestly think that they're going to be able to just magically fix things now when they move the deck chairs around. You and I both know that's a fool's errand. That's not going to accomplish anything. And uh, and so it, part of the work I'm doing with them is trying to help them to understand and convince them you know, that, okay, if a reorg needs to happen, and maybe it does, let's be more thoughtful about it. Let's be more systematic about how we go about doing it. Let's talk to all the key stakeholders and make sure that what we do makes sense and that it's going to increase information flow um, rather than um, cause further frustration amongst the existing players, right? Yep,
1: absolutely. So, and that's the whole thing is that I'm not saying that you don't reorg. That's the biggest thing is that they see problems, they feel it. Managers feel what's going on, but often they don't really know what's happening. But the, I, somewhere in business school, somebody, there's somebody up there just pitching that you need to tear down the organization and rebuild it, and it solves all your problems. And that's just a bunch of hogwash. But there, there are times where you need to reorganize. But why do we reorganize? And, and this is a, it's a scalability issue. As you grow, the way you do business doesn't work anymore. Your operating models need to change. So, yeah, but it's just like in architecture. Form meets function. We reorganize for how we want to deliver on our mission and our vision. How we want to operate in the operating model. Not to solve a problem. Because the minute that you start reorganizing to solve problems... You're not doing anything. And that's in the book, I talk about basically the nine areas. And one of the areas is really, it is about matrixing. I mean, that is one of the best, especially when you're a bigger and a more complex organization to matrix operations. Not easy to do because you you end up with people with multiple bosses. And if you don't do good change management, you're gonna have problems. But I mean, specifically, like I said, you start with leadership and teaching them. I I recommend, and I've worked with companies where, buy my book and give it to all of your leaders on your leadership team. Have them read it, understand it, talk about it. Right there, that's like the first step. But leadership development is more than that. And often we think leaders, we're developing leaders by just sending them to some kind of conference. And that is not effective. That's a flash in the pan leadership development activity. And it doesn't do anything. There's no sustainability involved in there. But it walked through everything from, you've already talked about it, You know, strategy and the vision of the organization, making sure you're aligned, making sure that you, your organizational culture is really focused on, like we're all working on the same thing. And culture, as you well know, will exist whether you try to do anything or not. It's going to create itself in your organization. If you aren't there constantly nurturing it and trying to move it, and I love when leader comes in and they say, I'm going to change the culture. (laughs) Stand back because that person is probably going to cause more problems. Culture doesn't just change. You have to influence by behaviors and demonstrations and artifacts and, and living you know, that culture and then things will actually happen. But yeah, there's so many different things, you you touched on it, resource distribution, change management, communication. Those things are all so important to an organization, but we don't address those. We address the organization structure and we tear it down, we change it, we reorganize. And I've been part of big organizations that in, in seven years, would go through five, six reorganizations just at the biggest level, not to mention the stuff that's happening below it. And of course, you know, you, they always talk about the shadow of the leader. So you're going to emulate the people above you. And if the big organization is constantly reorganizing to solve its problem, guess what? Everybody below it is going to reorganize to solve their problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this plays into the idea of you know, employee engagement and creativity in my mind, because where the, the biggest problem happens uh, within organizational silos is when people aren't talking, they're stuck in, you use the word myopic, right? They're, they're stuck into their limited view. So we need to open the aperture of our understanding that happens as we interact and integrate and, uh, and, and and rub shoulders with uh, people who think differently than us. That's why diverse teams are important, but it's not just racial, ethnic, you know, gender diversity, we're talking about technical diversity, like expertise diversity, ways, different uh, cognitive diversity and ways of thinking, right? All of that leads to better innovation and creativity. And when you can have uh, an organization uh, that has that kind of a learning culture, a dynamic culture, that's when people are engaged, when they're excited, they want to come to work, they want to be part of this interdisciplinary uh, multi-functional team uh, to solve complex problems because most people learn pretty quickly that you don't solve complex problems uh, by a one-pronged approach. Like you have to take right. a, a systems approach and you have to look at it from multiple angles. Exactly.
1: Right. Exactly. No, it's, uh, and when it comes to, you know, engagement, I think about it like this. First off, let's just take it from the leadership perspective. So you're in charge of a team and your power, okay, is ripped from you. How do you feel after that? What, what, what is your response when you are given another team, put in another organization? Your number one response is, I'm going to build those walls up so high that you're never going to touch it. And I'm not going to tell you anything about what I'm doing. And I'm going to hold everything so tight and not tell you anything, because I'm not gonna let this happen to me again. So this is immediate, immediate, you know, destruction of employee engagement right there from the leadership level. And again, I talk about that, the shadow of the leader, everybody below that person is going to follow that lead. And they're not gonna to talk to people, they're not gonna act. And I've watched this happen where I was in an organization working with them and we were talking about the importance of understanding the needs of the customer. And the, the guy said, we're not ready to go out and ask the customer what they think about us. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, all right, that's that, that makes no sense, but <laughs> we'll, we'll keep moving forward and then we're, let's get the customer feedback. And then I met with somebody that worked for that person. So then now they're director working, have many people working for them. And we're talking about in their strategic plan, the need to meet customer expectations. Well, that's a natural thing, right? You know, of course, that's what we want to do. And this guy almost broke into tears and said, I don't want to be held responsible for meeting customer expectations. (laughs) What? You're kidding me. But, you know, when I look at who led that organization and his belief of I don't even want to talk to the customers, let alone know what their needs are. Of course, somebody below him doesn't want to be held accountable for meeting something he can't even go and find out about. But, you know, in my in my view, and the, the importance in employee engagement is that employee engagement really falls down to four things in an organization. That your organization has a strong mission, purpose, and vision. People rally behind that. That gets them up in the morning. That gets them to work. I want to be there. And I know I've worked with organizations where employees were so upset about working for the company that they were sitting in their car in the parking lot crying. And I know this was happening in an organization where you just dread every day coming to work and walking into that building. Of course, nowadays, we just walk into our office or sit at our table, (laughs) but, you know, it's one of those things where they just, they they hate it every day for whatever reason, but they don't, the number one thing is that there is no solid purpose. I don't feel like I'm part of something bigger, and then the next, and I think that that's the number one thing, and if you solve to that, if you find true purpose that's bigger than you, that's focused on your customer, then that changes everything in the way that you live, the way that you operate, and, and everybody around you, your, even your customers, your partners, your suppliers, they all feel the same thing too, because it's not really about employee engagement, it's about full stakeholder engagement. Mm-hmm. You wanna engage everybody. I want the contractor that comes in here and works for me. The the person that does bookkeeping for, it's part of a bookkeeping service that has a totally different mission. They've bought into what we do and they want to be part of it. So that is what makes a huge difference in the way that things happen in your organization. The other three things are that you have open, honest, transparent, clear communication that goes up, down and lateral to your organization. When you have that, you are breaking down, breaking through the silos. I mean, that's that's because those walls prevent those kind of things from happening. I don't wanna share. But when communication is occurring in your organization, people feel like they're part of what's going on. They know, they're not making up stories about things that are happening that they don't know about. And then that you're developing your employees. You give them opportunities to develop. You, you help them with development plans. You hold them accountable you have development opportunities for them and you recognize the need to constantly develop people. And I've been in many organizations that they don't wanna spend money on developing their people. And the development of your people is what really sets your business apart. And when somebody takes an interest in you, I mean, Simon Sinek talks about this in leaders eat last, is when you give time to help somebody else grow that is the most precious thing that you can actually give because we all have the same amount of time. We all, and it's all finite. And then the last thing is quality. So quality, when you have an organization that is operating, doing one thing and 75 people are doing it and everybody does it differently and they look around and they go, well, Joe over there isn't doing the same as Bill, and I'm doing it differently. And of course, I'm doing it right. And they're all doing it wrong, because that's always the prevailing attitude. And then the supervision, the management isn't looking at any data, isn't holding anybody accountable to quality in the organization. So everybody's just getting away with whatever they want. Why should I care? and that, I mean, it's what creates that attitude, and so I believe that those four things are what drive engagement in your organization. You can go out and do a survey. You can do Gallup all day long, and I've been in organizations that will say, oh, let's go after the, the bottom numbers, and let's focus on that, and let's solve to that one thing, like, I don't have the right equipment to do my job, and let's solve that, and I'm like, nope, you're going after a number and something over here, like you said, systems thinking, something over here is not being addressed. But when you look at things from the perspective of those four areas, and how am I working in my mission, my purpose, you know, the reason for being, my communication, my development, and my quality, then all boats rise. And it can make a huge difference in the organization.
0: Absolutely, very, very well said. Well, John, it has been a pleasure talking, you know, the time has flown by uh, and I I want to be, I want to be respectful of your time, but this conversation does need to continue. So I hope to have you back on the podcast and we can continue. Uh, But before we close today, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your book uh, and, and reach out so that they can find out more about what you and your organization can do for them.
1: Well, as I said in the beginning, the first thing is go to crosscutter.com, C-R-O-S-S-C-T-R.com. If you want my book or you want any of the free publications that I've been involved in, go to the publications page. The book that we're talking about is Overcoming Organizational Myopia, Breaking Through Siloed Organizations is available on Amazon and paperback. I purposely, I created it as my business card. So when I walk into an organization, I'm talking to a leader, I'm handing them a signed copy of my book. It's a lot more powerful than a simple little card. (laughs) You know, it has so much more impact. And also it says, you know what, maybe he does know what he's talking about. Maybe he's got some ideas. And I've had leaders that, I had one guy that took it and he reads all the time and he read it on on the plane to a conference and I literally was getting text messages as soon as he hit the ground saying, you wrote this book about my organization, didn't you? i like, no, I actually wrote this book about every organization <laughs> because we all have the problems. It, they all exist and we all need to solve to that. That's right. But this is, that's the book. Um, it's the first of my business books that are published. I have another one out there called Business 2020, The Business World After COVID-19 it's free. And if you go to my publications page, you can get it and download that. And like I said, there's a lot of other things. So I welcome people to connect and I look forward. We have so much that we can talk about.
0: Absolutely. One small thing. This was one small sliver. Uh, John, it was a real pleasure talking with you. Uh, And I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, check out John's book, his other resources on his website. And as always, I hope everyone leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think.